This is the Rev Thinking Podcast, exploring the business side of running a creative studio in the motion industry. Here we believe the best way to deal with the future is to create it. I'm Joel Pilger. Do you consider yourself a generous person? What about a generous creative? For example, have you ever given your ideas away to somebody who might be a competitor? Have you ever introduced two people who have gone on to have a very successful relationship that maybe didn't directly benefit you? There's all kinds of things that we bump up against in our careers. And what we find that's curious and conspicuous in this episode is that generous people, they give away a lot and strangely it comes back to them and they are the successful ones. It doesn't make any sense. But in this episode, I'm joined by my good friends and peers, Mitch Munson and Ed Ryan. Now, Mitch Monson is currently Executive Director of Creative and Partnerships at Sibling Rivalry, and Ed Ryan is the Creative Director and Entrepreneur, Promax Judge, and Super Sharer at Spilt, the studio in Denver. Gotta love that title, Super Sharer, <laughs> in his LinkedIn profile. I have worked with both of these gentlemen in the past. I not only consider them friends, but each of them worked for a number of years at my studio back in the day when I was running Impossible Pictures. And they've gone on and continued to be successful, but they're both people that I look at and say, they're both incredibly generous. So I want you to ask this question, how quickly, how freely, how easily do you give away to others without expecting a return? In the short term, it makes no sense, it's foolish. But in the long term, this mindset, this abundance mentality can make an incredible difference in your career and in the career or careers of people around you. So Mitch, you guys might remember, um, it was a month or two ago when we were together in Colorado, we were having a conversation about this worthy rivals clip or something that Simon Sinek published that mm -hmm. got a whole conversation started. Do you remember that Mitch? Yeah, it's, um, Actually, I think it's one of Simon's, you know, strongest pieces. Uh, he was he was talking about a rival like, speaker and author that he would follow, and and there's a real competitive, you know, spirit to it, and to the point where Simon was almost like, I hate that guy. <laughs> and but it was interesting. Then he kind of talked about the progression where he ended up having to at one point speak with this particular author and speaker at a conference and they were actually on the same stage and so when they when they arrived on stage together um simon said you know you make me uncomfortable and that speaker said actually you make me uncomfortable and that was kind of like this really great kind of wall that they both broke down and from that point forward you know simon saw that the reason he hated that particular author was that that author kind of showed his weaknesses in Simon and then vice versa that that author felt the same way about Simon like Simon kind of brought out his weaknesses so they kind of became friends from that point forward and they saw each other as being um you know worthy rivals because you know they're both doing the same kind of work but they weren't competitors anymore they just kind of befriended each other and kind of raised each other up I'm thinking 2002, Mitch, which is, I know, a little over 20 years ago. Hard to believe. I know I'm where holding, you're going. Yeah. So Impossible <laughs> Pictures, we're in Denver. We've just moved into town and we're having an open house. And Mitch Monson comes walking in 
to our open house, but he works at the competitor across town. And so when we meet, there's this immediate like, oh yeah, all the other shops in Denver hate me, Joel, and hate Impossible. So you must hate me too. But Mitch, you were like, no, let's be friends. In fact, let's be connected. Let's go skiing. Let's share. Let's whatever. And over the years, you, I, I still give you so much credit to this day because you, in a way, showed me a better way, I believe, and I made such that. an impact on me. <laughs> yeah. Had a huge impact on me. And that, I think the journey of impossible in that community, I would like to think, helped shift the overall culture of Denver as a creative community, because there were several hundred people that kind of came and went from impossible over the next 15 or 20 years and shifting it from what we all collectively use the term prison eater mentality. (laughs) Okay. We'll define that in a minute, but shifted it from a more more selfish and protectionist, isolationist uh, mentality to a more generous, open and sharing mentality. But Ed, only you of the three of us, I think, could adequately confirm my theory because you're based in Denver and you're in the heart of that community. So what say you? Um, I can absolutely confirm that. I mean, I feel like the the local design community, especially in like production, motion design, that world is fairly unique in Denver because, you know, I personally know all the owners of every other shop. Like we're friends. We would have lunch together. We've worked together. We share freelancers. I've loaned computers to them when they've when they've been in a bind and, you know, the supply chain ruined shipping. Which I just don't think that 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 would happen anywhere else. Like people aren't open, especially like people aren't open to sharing clients, you know, like back when legwork was around, there's, if I got a job that was a good fit for legwork, I would absolutely pass it to them and say like, Hey, you know, this is your job. Like these are the people to go to for that. And that never affected me with clients that always like, they always came back for the things that were right for spilt, but the things that weren't like I was humble enough, I guess, to say, like, go to these people and do it because they're going to do the best job for you. Mm. And I don't think that happens outside of our market. And you're not. And the great thing is you're not over promising. Like you're, you know, kind of, you know, what your superpowers are. And, and I think clients really appreciate that honesty when it comes to you referring somebody. But I would, I would agree with you, Ed, that's kind of the anomaly, but doing that always is going to bring you you know, good karma and good work from either that client or somebody else down the line. And there was the, um, there was like a quote from the paradox of generosity. Is that something you have on hand that you could share? Cause I thought that was, that was a really cool thought yeah, that you were starting great. to process there. Yeah. So from the paradox of generosity, uh, it says by always protecting ourselves against future uncertainties and misfortunes, we are formed in ways that make us more anxious and actually more vulnerable to future misfortune misfortunes. So good. In short, <laughs> you know, in short, if we fail to care for each other, we don't properly take care of ourselves. And I think that this is um, a human nature thing that like extends beyond just like within our industry and in business. But, you know, like there's a human nature of like caring for each other and taking care of each other. And certainly, you know, in the world as as a whole, but then within our industry too, like if you shut yourself out from that, like you're limiting yourself from others' experiences and like a collective experience. And you're really then just kind of like insulated and and left with just the sum of your own personal experiences. 
Oh, what I love about that quote is it's actually, it also is kind of the same thing that mentoring is. Like there's, it's really set up in that way of like, you know, what you give, you get a thousand times in return, right? And so I think when you start building, you know, when you start building that relationship with people where you don't, um, you, you don't get concerned about being vulnerable is like that just opens you as soon as you kind of get past that and you can be really open and you can be really honest with people and and very vulnerable it's just like the whole world opens at that point and i think you know and and also you just you, you know you don't feel like you're an island anymore which is fantastic so mitch speaking of mentors i was going to ask each of you and i'll start with you were there is there a mentor or two that early in your career made a big impact on you because of their generosity? Hmm. Yeah, it's a really good question. Uh, it's yeah, it's an easy one for me because it's it's literally my first boss in the industry, um, and Bob was just this amazing person because we both me and my future business partner worked for him, and when we decided to leave the company, and we were young, we were like. 26 years old, we decided to leave the company and we decided in starting our own company that, you know, we needed a lot of support. And he was one of those bosses that was there for us from the time we said, hey, we're going to make this change to when we actually started the company. And he also, you know, fed us clients and just, you know, was so supportive. There was no, like, how could you leave us? You know, you know, we've put a lot of time into you. Like, all those standard kind of negative thoughts. Um, he was just, he was behind us the whole way. And, and I think what was really interesting is because of him, you know, we got into some work that we never would have if we were just trying to do all of it on our own. So he was not only a great mentor, but I think what I learned in regards to generosity is when we would just, my other partners and I would always say, is like, Bob, we have to do something for you. And one day I remember he just said to us, um, you have a responsibility now. There will be somebody else behind, behind you. And I was like, and that's happened a million times over now. So I think I learned so much in that scenario. So that, in other words, he almost gave you a charge or, you know, like sent you on with a benediction almost like, okay, I, I, I gave it to you. Now, now it's your duty to also pass it on. <laughs> yeah. It, it's before people were saying pay it forward. So it's a very pay it forward kind of um, perspective. But I think I've always run, whether it's my former business partners or even companies I worked for is like, I always see the opposite in, in a lot of owners. And it's really unfortunate because, you know, if I'm going to leave or any other employee is going to leave is those are going to be the evangelists of your brand. So you want to you want to take care of that, and you want to take care of those people, and and so Bob showed me that, and I've I've been kind of the anomaly in some situations, but I think in general you guys are the same. Like I know you handle it the exact same way. Well, I'm thinking of specifically some moments that I hopefully was as classy, right? The day that Mitch, you walked into my office and said I have to go, and the day Ed, you walked into my office and said I have to go. Right during those days at Impossible, you know, I, I always aspired to, hopefully I did, to as much as those moments were like, oh, I would, you know, immediately try and find the bigger picture called, you know what, 
You got to do what you got to do. Of course, you have to go. Be well. Let me know how I can support you and go go crush it. So I don't know. Ed, can you can you share like do you have a mentor or two from your past that also was really generous that made an impact on you? Yeah, absolutely. I think one of whom is here, that would be Mitch. Um, you know, I think I from his charge from Bob, I got to receive some of that generosity, which is super cool. Uh, you know, we only met for maybe a few weeks when we were working together uh, with you at Impossible, Joel, before I <laughs> did my brief stint in L.A. and then back to Denver. But, you know, like I think something just clicked at that point um, on the sharing side. So we stayed in touch for over 10 years now. And, you know, we do we've shared pitches and rough designs and concepts and all kinds of stuff back and forth. And I think that was really formational for me in terms of like, you know, when when I'm in charge later on, like, how am I going to do it? How am I going to handle it? I've had two employees leave and go out and start businesses. And it was, there's a choice of like, I could say, Oh, like, I'm so pissed. Like, how could you do that? I've taught you all these things or I could be supportive and they've both done it. And I've both passed them clients. I've hired them back to help me do things, do design work, work on projects and, and with clients. But I think that really got ingrained quick on like, Oh, wow, we can, we can have this kind of circle and friendship and sharing and trust that is, kind of behind closed doors type of thing. And the second I would say was Holly Eddy, who strangely enough, I also met through Joel when I was, <laughs> you know, out in Los Angeles. I think she was my, I would say like my guardian angel of introducing me to different agencies, different post-production places. And, you know, on that side, like when I decided I wanted to move back to Denver and, you know, my goal was to start a company, she helped really connect me with some of her clients that as they would, they would tail off from Troika and other places. Like I, I would reap the benefits of being able to work with them and, and help launch their networks and do the more production oriented work. But it was a, a huge, just generous step of like, you know, like we we're done with them, but as a client, like I trust you. So then therefore like they'll trust you. And it just kind of, it went on for many years and it was just a wonderful, wonderful process to be a part of. <laughs> That's fantastic because the one thing I want to add to that is that that's where we actually complete the circle going forward is that now, you know, fortunately working with Joel, um, one of my strongest and, and favorite um, CDs is actually a former employee of Impossible. And so Joel paying that forward to us at this point and two of Ed's former employees are now actually one is full time with us and one is our a-list freelance editor. And so, you know, from Bob to Joel, to you, to me, it's, it, that cycle just continues and, and it keeps looping as long as you're generous. Well, I was going to say, Ed and I are actually really pissed about all of those things you just mentioned, Mitch. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Now I do feel, now I do feel guilty, but the only thing I was going to add, though, I, I'd love to just quick go back to what you mentioned about believing impossible, because I think this is the vulnerable part, is that um, that wasn't a business reason I needed to leave. And the generosity part of it is yourself and everybody else that worked impossible knew I was going through, you know, the kind of the last days with my dad. And that just has to happen, you know, yeah. and and it's a hard thing to do to plug out of 
out of anything when you're in the middle of stuff, but especially with the type of projects we were doing at that point, at that point, we're just, they're really big in scale and there was a lot going on. Um, but literally all of you guys understood when I said, you know, I need to go now. Um, there wasn't, there wasn't even a question. People were just like, what can I do? We got this covered. Um, you know, that's, that's the most generosity you can expect from anybody. So I really appreciate that. Well, I guess as human beings, like whether someone is transitioning for quote business reasons, for personal reasons, for life reasons, like it's all life. Yeah. So what, whatever the reason is, it doesn't really matter. It's that ultimately it's like you have to do what you have to do. And if we're honest with each other and we're treating each other with respect, then I can, it doesn't matter what the reason is ultimately. It's a and, good point. Right. So now in, in contrast that to that, <clears throat> Mitch, can you tell me what is up with this term we use called prison eater? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I have to give a good friend of mine, Tom Wilburn, the credit for the original term. But, you know, the idea is, you know, it, you can think of Shawshank or anything else, but you know how um, people are protecting their food. And I think, you know, I, I love that term when Tom first brought it up to me because, because to be honest, I knew a lot of those people. And, and I think, especially in some of the client circles we got in, and it just, it, it just struck a chord because pretty much when I heard it. And I think when I shared it with you and, and when Ed heard it, it's just, you just know the personality type right away. It's like, I'm, I'm not going to share with you, you know, these are my trade secrets. Um, you know, you're on your own. And I think what was beautiful and what Ed was reading in the paradox piece is just how that's just not the direction to go. Like I've always wanted to do the opposite. And I think both of you, you know, obviously in your careers and in what you're doing um, currently, you're just not those people either. I remember the moment when you shared that term with us and we were like, wait, wait, say that again. And then you were like, you know, the guy <laughs> in the movie who, when the main characters approach him and say, Hey, do you want to hatch a plan to bust out of this joint? And he has his little, his bowl of gruel and he sort of turns away and gives you that evil stink eye and says, no, don't come near me. Um, yeah, exactly. But it is, yeah, it's, I guess it's a scarcity mindset, but it's, I don't know, there's maybe something more to it, but do you, do you ever use that term, Ed? Prison eaters? Yeah. I mean, obviously I know that from <laughs> you guys, but it is, um, you know, fortunately I, I feel like we don't, we don't often come across that. Like, I think I was trying to think of this, like in preparation and I'm like, man, in the last year, I've probably come across like one job where I encountered that. And that was just another company we were doing part, we were doing animation and VFX and compositing. They were doing editing and it was very much a mindset of like, not, this is the client's job. It was like, this is our side of it and we can't give you anything that you need to do your work. You know? So like, fortunately again, like that, that very rarely happens. I think, I think it's a self-fulfilling thing though of like when you're, when you're practicing generosity on your own, it very rarely pairs you up with people that are, that are in the opposite mindset. Um, maybe I'm just fortunate and lucky in that sense, but. Well, I think too, it also depends on, you know, I think with, with 
making decisions on clients you're going to work with. I think, you know, we're, I think all of us are very particular about that. And part of our, you know, decision-making on are we doing a project or not isn't just about the job. And it isn't about what we can PR after we're finished. You know, it's, it, it is personality match. And I think, you know, you can, I think we're all really good at, at identifying that type very quickly. And that is definitely a key part of our decision process. Yeah, Mitch, I'm, I'm thinking of a handful of clients down through the years. So when I'm running my studio, these are the people that are writing us a big check and, or at least they're the decision makers behind said checks. Right. And there's a certain, like, I don't know, sense of entitlement from some of those clients. Like, Hey, I made you and (laughs) I gave you this opportunity and you owe me. And those are generally the people, like you said, Ed, that I don't know, they, they tend to kind of go away. They go work with other people. They kind of vanish. They, they, I don't know, they're like an island or they're siloed in their worlds for a season. And then one day they'll pop up and say, Hey, I got laid off from, you know, big TV (laughs) network or big ad agency or big whatever. And I know that you're a super connected person, you know, can you help me connect with people? And as much as I would love to help them, it's really difficult for me to recommend them because I know them to be that other, you know, that, that, that other mindset, right? That, that, that prisoner mindset. So this is in a way like my encouragement or admonishment to people that are on the buyer side that are working with creatives. Like, just don't, don't forget we're all in this together and we're all going to work with everybody at some point or another in our careers. And it's to everyone's benefit to be generous and not hold back, whatever that means. I mean, it means different things to different people. Yeah. But yeah, Mitch, what do you, I, I see you, you like nodding. Yeah. And a lot of wheels and, turning there. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, what I think what, and I think it's a great point. And I think the one thing that's really interesting is that generosity isn't a point in time or a moment in time or something you pick up here and there. It's, it's, constant it's connecting with people it's keeping in touch it's when you do get that call and you can make recommends to people you have to be available so i think that's what people forget and your your example is a an excellent one because there's a lot of people in that boat and i get a lot of those conversations um as well but i think um you know you still have to help those people out and you still want to be that person but i think it's definitely you know, what I've learned is that it's just, it's ongoing all the time and you can't turn it off. And if you do, like to your point, it might be that one person that goes, yeah, you know, that person didn't help me out or they weren't supportive or they never got back to me. Um, And I think even with as busy as our schedules are, that that has to be, you know, the human part of it has to be number one. I love what you're saying there because, um, wow, I'm trying to, let's just say that the three of us all know a certain person, several people that they think, Oh, I need something. So now's my moment to be generous so that everyone likes me. (laughs) 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 Right. Like I just got laid off. I'm going to like reach out to everybody and take them to lunch and, you know, find my next opportunity. And to your point, it's not genuine 
right? It's not coming from a place mm-hmm. of, hey, I, I have your back and I've been excited about seeing you succeed and everyone succeed, all of this, all of us in this together. Rather, it's this moment in time. It can't just be turned on and off. Um, Ed, you you dropped an a, a adorable chat here in the Zoom <laughs> behind here, but I, I want to just ask you to like explain what you what you had to say there. <laughs> it's just something that popped into my head this this whole time, and it's like it's a personality mindset, I would say, and and it, for some reason it came back to like children's book of like you're Winnie the Pooh. Who who do you want to work with as a creative person, as a professional? You know, like Eeyores can be funny. But eventually, like they all kind of bring you down, and you want to you want to work with the Winnie the Poohs. And I know that sounds silly, but at the same time, it's like we all do this job because it's fun. And I feel like generosity is one of the ways that helps other people have fun. And if you're guarded and negative, then it's just it's just very hard to build to build your community. I would say. Yeah, yeah. Mitch, do you recall the um, the story? Um, around splice here. Is that something that you could share uh, as an example of how generosity and that paying it forward thing plays out? Yeah. Well, and actually, fortunate thing is, you know, Clayton, and that's where the story starts. But when we started, when we started our original company, HTMG, back in the day, that's where, again, the Bob thing started. And when I started, when I started that company and we had um, kind of our our first laid plans of hiring interns and hiring new talent. You know, we brought this really young, very ambitious editor into our facility. And, you know, over the the time he was there, he was really focused on, I want to be a partner. And, um, and so he was, yeah, he was just a super overachiever. Um, he decided at one point to leave and, and start his own company. And, to the Bob factor, I was, you know, very supportive of him and, and we kept in touch for, you know, all those years that he had built this company to the point where he was one of the largest post facilities in, in Minneapolis. And then, you know, go ahead 10 years from there is where I'm, I'm at another company in Denver, which you guys know. And we decided, um, myself and a couple of the other, um, leaders in the company to start our own company. But at that point in time, you know, we were really small. There was four of us. We needed the horsepower of a large post facility. So I talked to Clayton. I said, hey, we need, we need a partner. We need, we need kind of an umbrella company to make this all happen. Um, and he did it. He, was, he became our partner in the company. And, and the amazing thing is he was my employee before. You know, and that's so it, it can change so quickly. And so you just don't want to burn those bridges. You want to be supportive um, because in that case, I mean, we're still really good friends, but it's, it, we would still look at each other and go like, you're actually my boss. That's like, <laughs> 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 it was like total turn, but, um, but I think it was a really good lesson again of, you know, knowing that that could happen. And, um, and I think it's, yeah, it's just wonderful when you finally connect those dots. Like it's really hard to know where that's all going to lead. But I think to your earlier point, if you're not, if you're not just being generous when you need it, um, it's going to come back to you in just really amazing ways. Ed, I was thinking about you when I was remembering some advice of my former business partner. He would always say, never burn a bridge. Never. And I think he was given that advice from a mentor 
from his early days as well. And I know you thought that was really good advice. I'm curious to hear, like, what does that what does that mean to you when it, when you when you hear the phrase "never burn a bridge" ever? <laughs> <laughs> I think it means a few things, but I think uh, obviously it is handling all kinds of situations with tact and compassion, and ensuring that you're doing what's good for yourself, for your company, for your employees, in my case, and things like that. But at the same time you're explaining things to other people in a way of like, you know, I feel like burning a bridge happens because a change needs to occur and communication just isn't there. Right. So it's communicating and, and being generous in that. But moreover, I think like, again, as I said before earlier, like the higher up you go and the longer you stay in this industry, like the more people you run into over and over and over again, you know, like I have like, the seven degrees of Kevin Bacon thing with probably about a dozen different people in this industry. And you never know if they're going to be a client one day and, you know, a contractor or a collaborator, you know, the next year, and then maybe a client again, maybe an employee, even like you might, they might be your boss. Like it's just one of those things where, you know, luckily I feel like all of us are naturally that way. But when you kind of have that, if, if you've experienced people that have had that like freak out and just uncontrollable moment of frustration, like that's a thing that like is always remembered and you never know when that comes back. Yeah. It's kind of unfortunate. I think there's something in the human brain that will remember a positive thing, but man, we really remember a negative thing. <laughs> <laughs> right? yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And actually, especially in this industry, reputation is all we have. Like that's, that's your calling card, you know, that's how, um, and I think between the three of us, like the, you know, the best part about being owners and companies in the past and currently is just that idea of like, what's your legacy. So, you know, your legacy and your reputation is really all we have at the end of the day. And Mitch, is it fair to say that that legacy is bigger than simply your portfolio? <laughs> yeah, way bigger. Actually, to, to the whole generosity formula is like, it's, it's way more important on the relationship side. It's all about relationships. So, um, you know, work, having the work is the entry point. Like people, people work with us cause they trust us and that they, um, and they know you're going to not just deliver, but it's going to be an amazing experience. And, and I think I, I love Ed saying that he, he can't think of a lot of clients or a lot of people they work with that are prison eaters because I would have to agree when I, when I look at now who we're working with, um, and especially some of my favorite clients is like, none of them are those prison eaters. Like they're, and it's, they're just great people and, and great humans. And, and I think that's who we all want to work with. So you've talked about a sharing everything philosophy. So I want to, I want to ask like a bigger like, let's call this the third act of our movie here in this podcast, because I'm thinking people listening are probably like, that's amazing. Okay. You've convinced me, right? I'm going to move from a scarcity mindset to an abundance mindset. I want to be generous. I don't want to be a prison eater. So where do I start? <laughs> where do I start? So Mitch, where do I start? What well, I'd have to say the, I can kind of tell you where to start. But I think the interesting thing, and you said it before, Joel, of like, it's really hard to help those people, you know, because they've been so disconnected over that time. But I think it's really interesting when you can make that happen for somebody because it's literally an awakening. 
Like, it's just, there's like a door that opens in their mind of like, yeah, why didn't I do that before? Like, when did you start doing that? And I think to Ed's point is like, it's also just the people we are. But I think when you can provide that to somebody else, it's just, it's, it's so inspiring and it's so beautiful to see, but I'm not, not a lot of people can continue that, you know, they can get past that first stage of it. But I think, you know, really the, to what we've been talking about, the first step is really, um, to find somebody like us that can get them connected, you know, and, and somehow those people find us. And when they do like our first course of action is like, what are you looking for? Where, you know, um, what, what kind of growth are you looking for? Just all the questions that we would ask an employee actually, and, and then start making calls for them, sending out emails for them, seeing where they might fit. And, and at least if nothing else, just getting them connected and getting into conversations. We can't control whether they're going to get the job or not, unless it's a really, you know, a really, really close friend that has certain connections. But I think it's really just getting them the conversations and then, and then they start getting that confidence. And when they start getting that confidence, they start getting opportunities actually talking about roles. And then they realize that I need to be on Facebook. I need to be on LinkedIn. I need to be contacting people. Um, and then it starts flowing from there. So Ed, what about you? If let's say I'm, I'm that I'm the prison eater who's seen the light and I've accepted <laughs> Jesus into my heart and I'm ready to, right. I'm ready to start growing and learning as a, uh, as a generous creative, where would you encourage me to start? That's a good, but a hard question. I think, I think just looking for the opportunity, honestly, because the more you look for it, the more it becomes second nature. I love the fact that Joel, you've connected us with cream studios. We're both doing your positioning class as kind of partner companies right now. And we've had this conversation with them at least twice of just, it's amazing to talk to other business owners in, in that same way. Right. And I feel like they're the newest people like inducted into the tribe of generosity where we're sharing things that you normally wouldn't, even though we're technically competitors, but we're not really. And it doesn't matter in the long run, but I think it's, it's looking for those opportunities of like, is there something I worked on that might have an, that might help them in the future? Much like Mitch said too, of like when employees leave, it's always like being, being supportive, doing introductions. I don't know that it was always second nature for me, but like, I just did that like three times yesterday. I had a friend that was, you know, let go from a major company. So it was like, oh, you'd be perfect to work with this person and this person and that one, you know? And then it's just like, it takes a little bit of your time to do an email introduction of like, you're good people and you're good people. And I think you would enjoy working together. <laughs> you could easily not do that. You know what I mean? Like we're all busy. But at the same time, it's just like taking those little moments. I probably spent five minutes writing three emails. And again, like you never know, like you said, if it's actually going to do anything or not. But the more that that happens, like the the more opportunity and the more chances there are that something positive comes out of it. And actually, I think, Joe, when we were talking earlier about vulnerability is that that's just really hard for people. Like when they're in that spot where they they need help and they need support and they don't really know what to do next is <clears throat> like it's just taking that step of like, Hey, I gotta, I have to, I'm out of my comfort zone now. So I, I just need to keep going and I need to, to Ed's point, I need to have those conversations. And I need to get active. And then, and then it's, it's really up to them at that point. And some people unfortunately stall out because they're just overwhelmed. But I think if you can take it in small steps, like you can't, you can't solve it all in a short period of time. You need to, 
you know, you, you need to really process it and then start taking those steps slowly. But I think what I love is you start being that hub for your clients, for your peers, for your interns, for your, you know, mentees, whatever, like you become that source for people. And it's, it's very valuable currency. Mitch, I'm thinking of the moment after you and I met 21 years ago when, I don't know, you probably took a picture of your screen and emailed me what me? you were working on. <laughs> <laughs> me? Are you kidding? <laughs> but what's funny is I, re I still vividly remember it was something that you were pitching to FX, right? This is 21 years ago. And at that time, it was like what you shared was, first of all, it was incredibly cool and amazing and beautiful. And I was like, oh, my God. But it was for FX. And this is what you were pitching them. And it suddenly was that moment that I realized, wow, talk about being vulnerable and sharing. And then to your point, Ed, the onus was now on me. Oh, how do I respond to this? Like, I, I could have just been like, that's mm -hmm. so cool. Thanks for sharing. But I immediately started thinking, what am I working on that Mitch would kind of find cool and inspiring? So I was like, well, here's what I'm pitching. Check this out, right? And so there was this like, if you show me yours, I'll show you mine sort of thing that we started, Mitch. And now, I don't know, we've done that hundreds and hundreds of times now down over through the years. <laughs> no, that's a, it's a really good point because I think, again, that's the, that's kind of the behind the curtain part of it, right? Is what for so many studios, especially when you've been an owner, like you have, you know, really personal connections with a lot of other owners. If, if you keep that generosity, you know, flowing. And I think, you know, we've shared that as Edward's mentioned, you know, he and I've done that. I think, you know, Marcel at State and, you know, PJ at Laundry are other really great um, shares in that kind of form too. And I think it's funny because a lot of people, M Marcel's story is my favorite of just like, you know, so I, I wasn't one of these pitches. So I just thought maybe I should share mine with somebody else or other peers. And he, and he just asked the question, like he just said, you know, would you do that? And of course I said, yes. And, and also other people said, yes. And there's so much power in that. Like, it's just, again, you, you don't feel like you're an Island anymore. And, and it's not just, you know, it's, it's like, we're getting better together. Like that's, you know, you were talking about community, the, the community the other day, and that's, that's it. We're all pushing each other to get better. You know, it's kind of that Simon thing you talked about earlier. Well, I have to do a, a minor shameless plug that if, if anyone wants to hear that full story of me interviewing Marcel, that's on the Fabulist podcast. Oh, and it's so really good. funny because yeah, <laughs> he's really honest. He's like, you kicked my ass. Please show me, teach me. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think, and again, it's not that it's, it's, it's not that we're being careful about sharing trade secrets. Like it's, it's not that like we're, it, you know, I think what I would compare it to in that point is like so many directors are always wondering if they're doing it right. It's because they never get to mm. see anybody else's work. And my former my former business partner was in that position. And and when I was at um, uh, Motion, it was kind of the same thing. And it was really nice to be able to share perspective with other directors because I've seen a lot of other directors work. But I think that's that's a role too that's really tricky because you don't I don't I don't think there's that same support and there's that same you know peer to peer like let's win together. Um, and so I think we're really fortunate that we can, we can be the personalities we are and it's actually appreciated. It's not seen as, um, yeah, why are you talking to those people? And even to when you and I first met, Joel was like, why are you going out with that 
guy from Impossible for lunch. Like, what did you guys talk about? Well, and it's like, it becomes an interrogation. And like, that's, yeah, it's just, it's so surprising that that's still, I mean, you still see it, but I, I think it's, it's getting so much better. The interesting thing on that, I think is like, it does create vulnerability, but it also creates great trust, right? Like, I feel like there's a feedback loop of that in some, in some ways, especially like the first time you were to ever do that when you're saying like, I'm going to share my pitch with someone who owns a company that could potentially be pitching on that. I might, I might not know. Um, but from there, like you just, I feel like the personal relationship levels up and it's almost like the, like maybe there's stages to this whole thing that I've never even thought of before of like being vulnerable, like being generous, like leads to being vulnerable sharing and then that builds trust and like then therefore builds more generosity you know and it's like this feedback loop of like you know and then you do that with someone else that doesn't expect it and it's they're kind of like drawn into this whole thing as well it's that quote that you read earlier ed right that idea of here it is we are formed in ways that make us more anxious and actually more vulnerable to future misfortunes but on the flip side of that that if we do care for others, we end up properly taking care of ourselves, <laughs> which I think is so cool. So that feedback good. Loop. Yep. Yeah, it's so good. And, and I think, you know, you were talking about your um, podcast with Marcel, and I think the other thing that's really strong about what he talks about is just that idea of, you know, when you can, when you can get that vulnerable or you can feel like, hey, I can go to this level of sharing, is that you know, you build that trust, but also you just, you can't crack it yourself sometimes. Like you're just, and it could be a pitch. It could be a business issue. It could be, I'm having problems with his employee. Um, so many things. And when you feel like you have that network in that circle of trust with those people, um, I can ask you about that. I can ask Ed about that. I can talk to Marcel. I can talk to PJ. I can talk to, you know, so many people in that, in our kind of network of trust that it's, it's, very empowering and you know it's 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 the revthink model right so yeah i mean like every time i host one of my dinners it's 15 20 business owners and there's always somebody new right at the table that's saying holy cow it's amazing right in this setting we can be really raw and really honest and everyone's facing the same issues i thought everyone was so cool and so buttoned up and their websites are all so fancy. And then I get behind closed doors with these people and I realize we're all the same. Yeah. Well, and, and to that generosity point, don't you want to be, don't you want to be that person that is going to be supported? And should we be those people that kind of shorten that trail for them, you know, and, and cut to the chase wherever they can. And that's what I love about those dinners. Like I so appreciate you guys, including me, um, because I think, you know, sometimes it's also very helpful to talk about uh, being on the employee side and being on the, the owner side. And, you know, everybody, to your point, it has the same issues. It's just you have more people's brains on it in that in that case. Yeah, it's you reminding me of the, was it Gandhi who said, be the change you want to see in the world? I think that's a really mm -hmm. cool thought, right? Like we want to live in a world where people are generous and we want others to be generous to us. It's like, okay, just make the first move. So yeah. <laughs> let me let me uh, let me try and wrap us up here. I want to ask each of you um, kind of like what's next or what are you maybe excited about or plugging into within this 
context or this, you know, idea of continuing to be generous and kind of give back to our industry or to pay it forward. Mitch, are there some things that you're plugged into or things that you might want to point people in certain directions that they might want to plug into? Yeah, well, I think, um, and you guys know about Move Together, which is something we started kind of during the pandemic, which was like a DEI initiative as far as getting, you know, young, diverse talent familiar with this industry, but also having a mentor and literally leading um, from that experience to getting a full-time job within that organization. And um, and I think, you know, the cool thing is there was so much of that momentum um, when there was a lot of conversation about it. But really, I think, you know, we see such an opportunity now of like, it's been a lot of the discussion, but it's kind of fallen out of um, the, the, the conversation of actually making it happen and being active and really getting, um, whether it's students or young talent into the industry. And so I think we're, you know, Move Together is one of those areas where we think as business owners and as creatives and as peers, and even as clients, like we have a, a number of great companies and studios that are involved as well that, um, you know, are putting the time into give, you know, these younger people experience and, and actually an opportunity because they, they might not even understand or know that our, our work is possible, you know, and that could be their career. So that's one thing we're really excited about. And I think we're also pushing that in our company as well. Yeah, I was going to say, if you don't mind, because I know you're not going to drop names, but I will. <laughs> because <laughs> okay. when you talk about some of the studios and, and companies that are involved, right? Like, so there's sibling rivalry, Trollback, Dixon Baxi, State, The Mill, Trailer Park, Motion, Sin, Fox Entertainment, MTV, Nickelodeon, Andor, Pretty Bird, etc. So- Right. I think what's cool there is it's, this is very, it's very real. It's very, it's legit. I love that. And then can I just, can I read the mission as well? Yeah, I'd love that. It says here, um, I'm going to read the mission of Move Together, just in case, right, we didn't get this across here, because it reads a cross-disciplinary community of directors, designers, brands, educators, creators, and artists determined to pass this industry on to a new generation. Our first graduating class um, that went through Move Together, we had a big ceremony for all the graduates. And probably the best speech that one of the graduates um, gave to like this entire group was, I'm going to be very excited when something like Move Together doesn't exist anymore. To which the entire audience and all of us as steering committee kind of like, oh, okay, I totally understand what he's saying. It's like, there shouldn't be any of that um, necessary in our industry and in, and in the way we actually support and get talent in to our industry. And it was just, yeah, it was to your point. <laughs> you right. know, so I think that's our goal. Yeah, maybe there's a goal where we don't need to do a podcast on the generosity paradox someday, right? <laughs> uh, that's... That's a brilliant statement. I would, yeah, I so wish that it won't be in our lifetime, but we can, we can still, we can still hope, right? So, Ed, what about you? What's got you excited about seeing this concept, these ideas get out there in the world? You know, I think I'm, I'm just at a different stage in my career where I feel like I'm inspired by the stuff that Mitch is doing in that sense, and for me, it's a lot of figuring it out, right? It's building my own connections that can allow something 
you know, something like that, something similar, something, something that creates change to happen. Right. And for me, it's like just practicing generosity moving forward and trying to make more connections of with like-minded people so that we can come together and, and make a change as well. Well, guys, thanks so much for this conversation around the generosity paradox. Thanks for listening to the Rev Thinking Podcast. To hear more conversations with guests like these, browse all of our past episodes and find even more great content by joining our private community of creative business owners at revthink.com slash community. I want to tell you about a place to connect that you might not know about. It's our online community called Rev Community. It's a great place to get to know other creative business owners like yourself, to share some thought leadership and read other encouragement, to be challenged in this new marketplace, new technology, ideas, economic trends, and it's a place to research. Check out many of the resources we have online, our videos, and of course, this podcast. Join us today at revthink.com community. If you're a creative studio owner, feel free to join us today at revthink.com slash community. I look forward to seeing you there.